You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. This is Zubair Alvi. I'm live with you on Radio Ramadan for the Q&A program today. The Q&A program, of course, is here to answer any questions that you might have on any topics on Islam. One of the topics that we've chosen today is uh, spirituality and how you can really try and improve for the remaining a few weeks that we have of Ramadan in terms of your ibadah, in terms of your reading Quran and so forth. Uh, with me today is our special guest, Sheikh Amr Jamil. Um, Sheikh Amr is, of course, uh, from Glasgow. He has his law degree from Strathclyde University. Um, he did his honours in Islamic studies at the University of Wales and spent a number of years, up to 10 years, studying Arabic and the Islamic sciences. He studied in, with scholars in the Middle East, in Syria and in Yemen. And now, of course, he is one of the directors of the iSyllabus uh, programme, which runs in a number of cities throughout the UK, covering spirituality today. And the thing is with the Q&A programme um, is that it's for you to take advantage of um, it's not often that we get scholars to answer our questions. In fact, uh, there are so many times that you find that there are things that uh, you know we don't understand, and so it's to try and get um, um, access to those scholars. And this Q- this program, like for example, Q and A, can do that. Uh, with me today is our special guest, Sheikh Amr Jamil. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Thank you. Um, Sheikh, we're talking about spirituality today. I've introduced you already, and uh, I was hoping that you might start us off by giving us uh, just an introduction into the relationship between a person's spirituality, their connection with Allah, uh, and this blessed month. Alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulullah, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi So, in, in essence, if you think of the human being, when we think of a human being, we think of somebody, we picture somebody with their body, head, hands, and so on. Um, but in reality, there's two components of, of our entity. The One is obviously the physical body, but the second is a spiritual entity, which is called the ruh, or translates sometimes as the soul. And um, this is because before we were, we, were, we were brought to this world, we were, we existed as souls. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, made all the souls that were going to come into this world uh, before this world it was called al-arwah or the world of the souls and uh, we took a covenant with, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala qalu alastu wa rabbikum qalu bala so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said uh, am I not your lord and we said yes so this is in uh, surah araf that you can look at and uh, see the tafsir there so in essence you uh, were created as a soul first so Zubair, Alvi, Amr, Jumir, we existed as souls mm-hmm. before we came into this world and became the son of so-and-so or the, the, the father of so-and-so. So we existed as a soul. When we uh, come into this world, um, scholars differ whether it's 40 days or 120 days, the angel brings the soul and places it into the fetus, which is developing. And at that point, the soul and the, the body are together. And then when we die... Uh, what actually happens when we die is the soul comes out of the body and the angel of death takes the soul and takes it up to the, 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 the heavens to get it registered and so on. So basically there's a, a spiritual dimension to our being, which is why um, if, you just fi- if you just fulfill the physical desires of eating, drinking, sexual desire, all the other things that the body requires, mm-hmm. there's, always, there's always something missing uh, because there's that the balance is not correct. It has to be a balance between the physical mm-hmm. and the spiritual. And when the Prophet ﷺ came, what he taught us was the balance. How do you balance between the spiritual and the physical? 
Okay, Jazakallah khair. Sheikh, there's a, there, there's a question um, about uh, people trying to pray and trying to get khushu in the prayer, trying okay. to increase their khushu. They're saying that when they pray, uh, they find it very difficult to concentrate um, for a start. And then even in their own prayers, not, not necessarily drawi prayer or anything like that, is there anything that you can advise in terms of um, how a person can try and increase that khushu? Yeah, so khushu, there's a number of levels of it. I mean, in fact, um, it just came to me, one of our students, um, Ozzy, mm-hmm. Ozzy Majid, actually wrote a book, um, 30 Tips on Khushu and Salah. Okay, um, excellent. So he's, I mean, that, you know, he's put that together, and alhamdulillah, I've had a, a quick glance mm-hmm. at it, it's quite good. Mm-hmm. So people could read that. But in terms of uh, quick tips, um, Khushu is obviously when you're you're feeling you're deeply connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now the, the problem is that a lot of the times when we're praying we're doing in a hurry mm-hmm. because it's a lunch break or we need to go somewhere or it's, some, it's always something mm-hmm. either before or after it so because we're doing in a rush um, we're not fully prepared or in the zone you could say right. so if you ever look at um, you know yoga or, or other, other kind of practices that people do they will, before they begin, they will have like a couple of minutes of just deep breathing um, to relax themselves and get them in the zone. Mm-hmm. So um, there has to be a preparation before the Salah. Imam Sha'arani says that if you find presence of heart in the wudu, you will find presence of heart in the Salah. Means that, mm-hmm. Meaning that if you, when you go to the wudu, you don't do it in a rush, you take your time, you know, you, 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 it's a spiritual experience, then what happens is you've prepared yourself Mm-hmm. for the Salah itself. So the first thing is perfecting your wudu, doing your wudu in a state of um, you know, peace and calmness and not doing it in a rush. Number two, this is a particular tip that I, I found myself useful. I've not read it in any book. Mm-hmm. But I find that if just before Salah, before going to Kabir, uh, because what happens is normally you're thinking about a meeting or you're thinking about something. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, if I, I, what I find beneficial is that just before you go to Kabir, if you just empty your mind 30 seconds mm-hmm. and take a couple of deep breaths, like a couple of deep breaths, breathe in uh, and uh, you know, breathe in through your nose, out your mouth. And if you do that just um, for 30 seconds, then what happens is you've just prepared yourself better for Salah. Okay. Uh, so that's another thing. Imam Haddad mentions in the Book of Assistance that somebody who gets a lot of whisperings in Salah, mm-hmm. they should read Surah Nas just before they start the Takbir. So just before you start the Salah, Mm-hmm. to read Surah Nas because that's all about protection from the whisperings of shaitan. Mm-hmm. Um, number four is if you know Arabic, yep. then to obviously concentrate on the meaning of what you're saying. Um, if you don't know Arabic, I mean, you know Fatiha anyway, learn the meaning of Fatiha, read a, a translation of Fatiha. Mm-hmm. But when you read the Fatiha, read it slowly and try to contemplate on what you're saying. Um, and lastly, uh, what they say is to, to bring to four who you're standing in front of. So when you're on the prayer mat, to actually just to just to pause a moment and think and think to myself, I'm about to converse with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the mm-hmm. Lord of the world, the greatest entity ever, mm-hmm. um, the most important being in, in my entire existence. Um, so if you if you follow those number what is it, six maybe six steps there, mm-hmm. um, you will find that your your khushu will be better inshallah. Excellent, Jazakallah khair. Uh, Sheikh, there was a question that somebody asked um, about the adhkar or the dhikr, the remembrances uh, and the short prayers that people read after the prayers. Is there anything recommended from the prophetic tradition? 
just for after salah or just after generally? salah yeah generally well, and after salah in particular and this just generally as well after after salah uh, basically um try to get in the habit of reading Aytul Kursi mm-hmm. um it's mentioned to read the Sadastri surahs of the Quran um and also obviously your your regular tasbih so subhanallah 33 times alhamdulillah 33 times Allahu Akbar 32 times some say 34 or you finish it and then there's a few other du'as that are mentioned um, from the prophetic tradition. Allahumma anta salam and inka salam. I mean, I'm not going to read them because no one's going to follow what I'm saying. I'm going to just say that. Yeah. But um, you can get all of these in like little du'a books. Um, or you can actually probably just Google this uh, du'as after salah and it'll mm-hmm. come up. In terms of on a daily basis, there's there's du'as that the Prophet ﷺ used to read on a daily basis in, in, the, in the morning and the evening. Um, so there's a, a number of scholars have collected these together. The one that I recommend is the Wid Latif by Imam Haddad. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you can Google it. It's, it's also it's been printed by I think the forwards by Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, mm-hmm. and it comes with a CD, so you can actually just listen to it at the same time. Right. Uh, but you got if you go on YouTube, you have like recordings of it as well. Um, okay. So if you can try to do that, I mean, you're supposed to do it twice a day, so one in the morning, one in the mm-hmm. evening. If you can, then try to do that. If you can't do it twice, then at least try and do it once a day, because these are the ads the Prophet used to read every day, okay. and they have um, secrets and protection in them. Excellent, excellent. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. Uh, Sheikh, there's a question here about, um, in particular, about backbiting, but I want to kind of extrapolate it. And there's a couple of texts that have come in in terms of social media um, when it comes to spending too much time on WhatsApp. Uh, one of my friends is actually saying that he started off Ramadan uh, switching off his notifications and uh, deactivating his Facebook account and within uh, two days he was back on. And he finds that that has, it seems to be affecting his spiritual state. So can, you know, being addicted to social media affect your spiritual state? Yeah, any addiction can, can affect your spiritual state. I think what you have to do is you have to understand that Ramadan um, is only for a few days. I mean, we're on to day 12 now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Astonishingly, it's mm-hmm. amazing. You're almost getting to the midpoint. So before you know it, Ramadan's going to be finishing. I, I mean, I've, me- I mean I've, I've mentioned this before. Before Ramadan, people should sit down and start planning the Ramadan. Okay, I've got 30 days. What do I want to achieve this Ramadan? What do I want to do? Um, so, for example, one of the things, I'm, 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 I mean, I don't have a TV anyway, but I'm not watching anything at all um, during Ramadan at all, whether it's a documentary or anything. Mm-hmm. These things are going to leave till after Ramadan. So, you just have to give yourself certain boundaries and guidelines. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm doing on WhatsApp is, you know, you get people sending you videos all the time. Yep. And a lot of the times they're just jokes. I'm just not opening them because I know it's probably going to be just a joke or something. Mm-hmm. And really, what am I going to gain from it? So um, that kind of stuff you can just leave to Eid. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, so what, what I would say is that he's done the right thing. If he feels that he can't control himself, then yes, just mm-hmm. get off WhatsApp. Just get, just get off Facebook, uh, mm-hmm. other things. If he feels that he can't do without it, then what you do is you um, you you give yourself a time limit, like even just put on your your phone, like you know, a timer, like half an hour or something. Yeah. So you give yourself okay, half an hour. That's all I've got. That way you restrict yourself. If that doesn't work as well, then what you do is um, switch your phone off. So you know, have have. Um, hours that you have it on 
So maybe in the morning you need to put it on, and uh, when you get up, put it on. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point in the evening, or wherever you want to make that, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, yep. just get in the habit. I'm going to put my phone off, I'm going to go and put it in a drawer, and that's mm-hmm. it, it's out of, way, out of sight. And if anyone needs to contact me, we'll have to wait tomorrow morning. Um, you have to you have to do the take these steps. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, um, you will not be able to. Uh, if you're if you're feeling it difficult, mm-hmm. you're going to find it very hard to get away from it and 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 enforce it. So if you're married, remind your wife that okay, seven o'clock. Just make sure that my phone is not here. Right. Um, do you know what I mean? Or or, or you know, if you, somebody else just to oversee it yeah. to ensure that I am following protocol. So you have to give yourself boundaries. If you don't give yourself boundaries, you'll be all over the place. Absolutely, absolutely. Sheikh, there's something which uh, you mentioned is uh, one thing about social media having effect on you and your spiritual kind of uh, life. What about what you eat as well? Because I've noticed um, that you know Ramadan and fasting hasn't really restricted people from kind of consuming a lot of junk food and fizzy drinks and so forth. I mean, does what you eat also have an effect on your on your spiritual side? Um, some scholars say yes. Some sort of some scholars say that um, what you put in your mouth has an effect. I mean, if you know, as you know, if it's something unlawful, if it's haram, mm-hmm. um, so that means income, income which is haram, and then you put that food in your mouth, it definitely has a, an effect on your body. Mm-hmm. And if you put halal income into your mouth uh, or food purchased from halal income, then it has a, a positive influence on your body. Mm-hmm. So they, these definitely they definitely have a, an influence. Obviously. Um, healthy eating so you know eating things which are which are going to obviously benefit you like nuts and I'm not, I'm not going to give people a nutritionist kind of a diet plan because there's plenty of them floating about on WhatsApp as well right. what to eat in Ramadan what not to eat I think you just have to be sensible the thing is um, mm-hmm. Ramadan is not about not, not about like um, gorging yourself when, as soon as you open your fast um, you know, there's a there's a training. There's a Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is, is training us to have the self discipline. How to discipline yourself? How to stop yourself from the desires of the body voluntarily, which is food and drink. Mm-hmm. This is a spiritual training that's going on. It's for you to discipline your yourself, your nafs, and so on. Um, so you don't want to um, undo that benefit by just uh, eating all the stuff that you want to. And to be honest. Um, I mean, we all we all like a bit of chocolate. We all like a bit of this and that. Mm-hmm. It's whatever you get yourself um, used to eating. If you eat, you know, certain amounts of food all the time, you get you get used to that. If you start eating other types of food, yeah. you start getting used to that. So it's all about training. It's all about um, uh, getting yourself wherever you get yourself used to. That's what's going to become uh, normal for you. So try to uh, eat things, and also when you eat, say Bismillah, all of these things have a spiritual effect okay. uh, saying Bismillah uh, you know, doing du'as um, and having a good intention when you eat as well for it to, you know, to give you energy through your ibadah and stuff, so all of those things will help you. Okay, excellent we have another text that's come in about prayers and uh, there's somebody who's listening who's finding it very difficult to pray, even though they know the importance of prayer, especially during Ramadan they're finding that they are missing one or two prayers during the day. So, what would you recommend that they, that person does? And do they normally pray, or is it just normal? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. That I mean, all they're saying is that they find that they're missing one or two prayers. Yeah, it, dep- it depends which prayers they're they're missing. Um, but generally, um, obviously, to 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 think of the enormity of missing a prayer, 
if, if the person's not used to used to praying, then that's understandable that the jump from zero to five is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Things always um, are easier when they're done gradually. So even for uh, from from the nafs perspective, your your ego, when you do things gradually, change things, it's easier than to just do it all of a sudden. Which is why if people were fasting in Shaban, like the Prophet used to fast the most in Ramadan Shaban. Mm-hmm. If we were fasting in Shaban, when Ramadan came, a 19-hour fast wouldn't really phase us as much. But yeah. when you do nothing, all of a sudden you start fasting, your body's in shock. Yeah. So I think um, um, what what depends on what prayers the person is um, is missing. Um, just have to try their best to, if they do miss it, to do qada, to do tawbah as well from that, uh, because obviously it's a major sin to miss a prayer intentionally. Course, if there's a particular, mm-hmm. if there's a particular prayer they're missing, um, I mean they shouldn't be really missing fajr because it's the whole time. Shouldn't be really missing maghrib because it's a star thing. So I don't, I don't know which prayer they're actually missing. But um, then it's just about like maybe having other family members just reminding them that listen, I'm in the habit of sleeping in through Doha or something. Okay. Um, and you just make sure I'm up at whatever time. Uh, and 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 if it's really if you're really struggling, then at least read the fad element of it. So. Okay. Think about it. If you think, well, though, it's only four fad, that's going to take me maximum a few minutes. So okay. try to, you know, like um, kind of psychologically kind of um, encourage yourself. Excellent advice. Thank you, Sheikh. Um, it's from a husband who's saying that he feels that he's in a three-way relationship with his wife, um, uh-huh. with herself and her Snapchat. She seems to be on social media all the time. Uh, I suppose it goes both ways with husbands and wives. So, but in this case, he's wondering what he should do. It's affecting his relationship. He's saying that he they, they need to, he needs to have a serious um, conversation with her. Mm-hmm. And if he's finding that that is difficult, then he needs uh, he needs to sit with a third person and um, and uh, and talk to her about it. Okay. Sometimes, if it's difficult to talk, then sometimes it's you can maybe like write to the person, like text. I know it sounds mm-hmm. a bit bizarre, but. Texting your wife about that issue would just, you know, it, it allows you the space to get out how you're feeling and how you, how you feel it's affecting your relationship, mm-hmm. um, your duty, her duties, and so on and so on. Um, I mean, these things unfortunately are quite addictive, mm-hmm. and um, the only way to kind of um, curtail that is to, is to to make an agreement with her. For example, when I come home, that the phone is put away, or at eight o'clock p.m. we put the our phones away. Mm-hmm. And then just implement that. That's the only way. If, if she's not going to stop doing it, that's the only way you can do it, really. Okay, excellent. And just one last question I think we've got time for, um, just uh, briefly, if you can. Um, there's a question about anger. A person saying that he finds it very difficult to deal with his anger in the best of days, never mind in Ramadan. He's finding that in Ramadan he seems to be even more angry towards his children and towards his family. Um, what kind of advice would you give to someone who maybe needs to try and uh, control their anger? I think, first of all, it's good that the person recognises there's a problem because you're not going to solve it unless you recognise there is an issue. The, the I think that, that if it's something which not occurs outside of Ramadan as well, then it's actually worth getting some counselling or therapy because um, just for your own for your own benefit, never mind anyone else, it's not good to be in that state. And there might be something, an experience in your life when you're in childhood or so on. That that's where it's stemming from, and until you deal with it, it won't actually go away. It won't actually enhance your your um, understanding of what makes you angry. Mm-hmm. That's why I would encourage after Ramadan, um, you know, treat it like a problem and and solve it. 
terms of uh, other practical advice, what I remember one of the some of the books mentioned that I think it was Azadi, I'm not sure who it is. Mm-hmm. He says that when you get angry, um, you should look in the mirror because when you get angry, and I, I and I tell people take a selfie. Right. Because when you get angry, he said, when you look at your face mm-hmm. and you look at the state, you look how you look, and you you you, you know you can physically see it, mm-hmm. then you realise that's not a good state to be in. So the next person this guy's angry, he should take a selfie and actually look at himself or record himself, yep. um, so he can feel disgusted at himself. And then when you feel disgusted, you're motivated to uh, to do something about it. Absolutely. That's one thing. The other thing is. Um, to to do wudu mm-hmm. so if the person is um, angry and feels like bubbling up go and do wudu because mm-hmm. wudu will calm the person down and also as you know the hadith about if you're standing sit down if you're sitting lie down so even changing your state why I say is that, that that hadith is about changing your state so if you're in the kitchen and you're you're angry go into the living room uh, go outside for a walk um, go, go and basically do something different. Open a book, maybe just even just open the Quran at random and just read a few lines. Um, okay. Anything like that will will help. Okay, then Jazakallah Khair Sheikh. So thank you for, uh, very much for today. Jazakallah Khair Sheikh. Salam Okay, Jazakallah Khair. Salam For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.